we, um, may we not just sing words of a song, which I know sometimes we can be guilty of, but uh, may we really think about uh, the message in this song and uh, live in light of it. Uh, the Lord deserves um, the very best from you, and, um, and I hope you give it to him each and every day. Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, uh, we are going to, we're trying to be neighborly, and uh, oh, you're going to take the young people, all right, young people can head on to the upper room, I didn't know we had that, my bad, so we will dismiss young people to the upper room for time in the word of God, thank you to Mrs. Wiley, oh, okay, all right, she's volunteering, Oh, love volunteers too. We're good for that. Good with that. All right. Thank you. Uh, and you're in Proverbs. You should be in Proverbs chapter 3 now. So we're trying to be neighborly. And uh, we're looking at and doing a study now in this matter of neighbors. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 27 to 30, we have a section where actually we see neighbors mentioned. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwells securely by thee. Strive not with a man without cause, if he hath have done thee no harm. So in these four verses, we have some instructions in regard to neighbors. And we are, again, dealing with that subject. We actually uh, picked it up in chapter 11 and verse 9. We're not going to look there now because we're going to get back to Proverbs chapter 3 here in just a moment. Remember we said some 33 times Solomon uses this word in the book of Proverbs. I thought originally when I was reading through and I came to chapter 11 and verse 9 and saw the word neighbor, one of the words I wrote down on my list of things to check out I thought, okay, maybe there's like four verses or five verses or something to that effect. And then I realized, you know, it just, it almost always happens that way. This is a lot more than I originally intended or originally thought as far as the study. I thought it might be interesting to see neighbor. But I also learned and found out that the word is translated friend in the book of Proverbs. So most every time you see the word friend or neighbor, those words are the same in the, in the Hebrew and, uh, and they are teaching us some things we need to know. So studying neighbors is studying friendship. And um, it's not just teenagers. It's not just young people who need to learn about friends. It's you and I. We need to know how to be a good neighbor, and we need to know what makes and what constitutes a bad neighbor. In fact, as I started to go through and, and, and kind of make a list, which is what happens a lot of times in Proverbs when you're doing a study on different subjects, um, so as I started to make a list, I came up with a long list of things that make a bad neighbor and a number of things that make for a good neighbor. And that's what's going to be the rest of our study. Three questions we, began, we said we would ask. First is, why study neighbors? And um, let me just quickly review those and then we'll move on, all right? Because companionship is a basic component of life. And it's true. Look, you have friends. And if you don't have friends, you should. Okay, and uh, it is important to have them, and God talks about them and says a lot about, uh, about them. Uh, so, you know, God doesn't say, if you have friends, choose the right ones. He said, he that hath friends must show himself friendly. He assumes that you're going to want them, you're going to desire them, because companionship 
uh, relationships are, are really the basic building blocks of life. And uh, quite honestly, we've said this before, but social media is quite, I, I really think, is, is tremendously detrimental to relationships and uh, hurting them in so many ways, not just because of the things that are written, but the fact is you don't have to communicate. You don't even have to be real on there. You, uh, there's a lot of people who fake things, uh, and just social media is, is a mess. God wants you to have relationships. You talk with people. You meet with people. By the way, uh, church, church at home don't work. It's not what God intended. Um, God intended for people to get together and to be together. And it's not just the preaching of the word that you need. It is the interaction as well. So there's so much, it's just the basic building block of life. It's a, it's a basic component of life. Then we also learn, and, and here I'm going to start preaching the whole thing over again. I shouldn't do that. Neighbor choices have serious consequences. You walk with wise men, you're going to be, you walk with fools, you're going to be, all right, so understand that. You have serious consequences. And then we talked about how God cautions you about the company you keep. And we looked at some other verses, some different uh, verses that uh, have to, to, to teach that thing. Like, don't have friendship with someone who can't control their temper, chapter 22 and verse 24. So uh, God cautions about the people you hang around, the people you spend time with. Um, and then we also brought out this. It's clear, fourthly, that many don't know how to conduct themselves. Uh, first, in choosing companions, because God has to tell us, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. You know, you think people would get it. You think people would get it. You think people would know, hey, look, if I get around the wrong people, I'm going to be influenced. If I get around the right people, I'll be influenced. I mean, we see it all the time in life. You see a, a teenager get involved with the wrong crowd. He messes up his life, and, and it's amazing. You can look at that, and then a couple of years later, you go and get the wrong kind of friends, and it messes up your life. It's an amazing thing. I worked with teenagers for 10 years, and it was like there were some teens who were saying, oh, man, they got messed up. Look at the person they're hanging around. Look at the girlfriend they got, and look at how it messed up their life. And then a couple of years later, they're going after someone that isn't good, and it's like, Come on, don't you understand this? So God knows us that we have a problem in choosing companions. But then there's another thing. People don't know how to be civil. And it's not just today. The truth is people just don't know how to be civil. They don't know how to act toward people. And, um, and we learned that actually in Proverbs 3, 27 to verse 30, the verses we just read. Yeah, seriously, do you have to be told don't withhold good from them to whom it is due when it's in your power to do that? I mean, why do you have to even be told that? It's kind of like, duh, you know, common, common sense tells you that. Um, and then verse 28 continues that, say not to your neighbor, go and come again, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast to buy thee. What good is it? If you tell someone that has a need right now, look, come back later when, when, you, when you have it. That's kind of like, that's like um, companies that, that uh, you borrow money from these days. You know, you almost have to prove you have enough money to borrow money. Okay, so think about this. If you have enough money to borrow money, you don't need to borrow money. You know, it's like, okay, do you really have, are you really worth this? Do you really have this and, and, and everything else? It's like, so in other words, if I'm going to borrow $10,000, I really have to have $10,000. Well, if I have $10,000, I wouldn't have to borrow $10,000. It's kind of, all right, I, I, but, 
that's the kind of actions that many times people show toward one another. Well, I'll take care of your need tomorrow. And I think they do that because they hope that tomorrow there won't be a need so they don't have to meet it. But God says, look, meet it now. People just don't know how to be civil. Come on. We, I mean, how many illustrations do we have to give? But I did come across a story that I thought was interesting. British author and playwright George Bernard Shaw sent to Sir Winston Churchill two tickets to an opening night performance of one of his plays. And he, uh, with those tickets, I, maybe he did it because Churchill was, you know, well-known and everything else, and if he could get him to come, it might make things look good for him. I'm not sure exactly why. Because when he sent the tickets, he wrote these words in a little note. Bring a friend if you have one. Well, now, that didn't go over all that well, and that's not the best way to treat a friend. Am I right? So, um, Churchill, not being one to... Um, to let something like that drop, and one who was also adept at saying a lot in a few words, replied with these words, I'll wait for the second night of the play if there is one. Uh, now, I'm not sure whether the two were actually friends shooting barbs at one another or if they were, you know, not really friends at all and were trying to act, you know, trying to give it to one another. I'm not sure, but I will say this, neither note really helps cement good friendships. And the truth is, um, quite honestly, a lot of people just don't know how to act today toward, toward people and toward one another. Uh, people don't know how to treat their friends right. And, and it's sad. In marriages, a lot of times, husbands and wives don't, wives don't know how to treat one another. Why do you think we have so many divorces and everything? Um, it's just people don't know how to act. And, and God instructs us because people don't know how to treat their friends right. So then let's now look at what makes, or the answer the question, what makes a bad neighbor? I gotta look at the negative first. I'd rather get that out of the way. And then we'll look at the positive at the end. But what makes a bad neighbor? Um, so what does God tell us about it? Well, um, look if you would in chapter three and verse 29. First, the first principle that we learn in the negative sense is found in verse 29 of, of this chapter. Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. So what do we learn there in verse 29 that makes a bad neighbor? And you're trying to fill in the blanks, right? If you have the outline. I don't know if there are a few more back there, if anyone needs it. Would there happen to be any more back there? If not, I need to make a few more up. But uh, okay. Anyway, all right. So look at the verse and, and tell me: Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. So what does a bad neighbor do? Okay. All right. Maybe we might use the word revenge. But notice that last phrase. Because it's not necessarily someone who has done you wrong here. It's someone he's talking about who trusts you. Do you see that at the end of the verse? He dwells securely by thee. Look, he trusts you. He, he has no reason to believe that you would do anything wrong to him. Ah, good. There are a few outlines left. I thought there might be a few. So if you need one, uh, pick up in Roman numeral 2, the second question what makes a bad neighbor? 
first truth that I wrote since no one wants to seem to jump out this evening and say something boldly. A bad neighbor takes advantage of a friend's trust. A bad neighbor takes advantage of a friend's trust. God says not to fabricate, fabricate, sorry, fabricate, fabricate, or plow up. Those are definitions given for this. Any evil deeds against the neighbor. Yeah, look, why would someone plow up something like that? But it does happen. And what makes it evil is because, according to the verse, the neighbor trusts you. So, I, and also, in, in, in essence, we want to say, don't betray a trust. When, when someone has, has not done you wrong in any way and they trust you, then don't betray that by doing them evil. Um, by the way, this could be done in, in a number of different ways, and we're not going to take time for each one of these points to delve into all the aspects of possibilities. But you know, just being a gossip is the wrong way to treat your neighbor. Someone who trusts you, you don't share something about them with someone else. That's none of their business. Um, even if it's in the form of a prayer request, which sometimes people do to gossip. Look, um, when someone trusts you, be faithful to that trust. Don't go sharing with others what someone has shared in confidence with you, and you don't take advantage of them. So a bad neighbor takes advantage of a trust. Uh, look, if you would, at chapter 6 and verse 29. And we're going to try to walk through uh, the book here and see the different principles. Chapter 6 and verse 29. Now, this deals with matter of moral purity. And God says, uh, so he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, picking up kind of in the middle of the subject of, of moral purity, whosoever toucheth her shall not be innocent. So a bad neighbor... Um, I put it this way, sins against others and does not care. Sins against others and does not care. Now, in the context, the subject is moral purity. The wrong kind of neighbor, here's what he's doing. Look at verse 29. He's going into his neighbor's wife. He's enticing another man's wife, and he will commit sin with her, and he doesn't care for the destruction he's bringing to those that he would call a friend. And God says such is wrong. So a bad neighbor sins against others and does not care. Um, chapter 11 and verse 9, which was where we started in our study when we brought up the fact that the Bible in Proverbs talks a lot about neighbors. An hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor. So a bad neighbor uses what? What does he use? To destroy. Words. Okay? A bad neighbor uses words to destroy. The little member called the tongue, according to James chapter 3, has caused a lot of great fires. How great a matter a little fire kindles, right, with the tongue. And so God says that truth and brings it out many times in Proverbs. Uh, chapter 16 of Proverbs, and, and keep your place, because we'll go back to chapter 11. But in chapter 16 and verse 28, so you can look at another verse that talks about friends. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. So a bad neighbor uses words to destroy. 
you know, the, the tongue is such a little matter, a little member. It's, it's, it's so small, but it can create such great issues in the lives of people. So, so don't do that. Neighbor, bad neighbor uses words to destroy. Uh, a bad neighbor shows disrespect. Chapter 11 in verse 12, it said we come back. He that is void of wisdom despiseth his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. A bad neighbor shows disrespect. It's the fool who looks down on the neighbor and, and disrespects them for whatever reason. Hey, look, there may be people who aren't respect worthy. We understand that, okay? You ever had a neighbor like that? You know, you, you kind of like were, were glad when they moved away or maybe glad when you moved away? Um, sometimes that happens. You don't always have control over the people that live around you. Sometimes people are just totally inconsiderate and they're evil and they're, and they're bad. It's just the way it is sometimes. But, but you don't need to show disrespect. And God says it's a fool who does that. Um, look, if you would, at chapter 14 now as we move forward. Oh, this is interesting. Look at verses 20. Someone read verses 20 and 21, would you? Now, there's a, a couple of different principles we could look at, uh, talking about wealth and, and poverty and other things. But I want you to think about those verses and then ask yourself the question, what is an indication of a bad neighbor? And I, I think, well, maybe it's not clear, so I'm going to share it with you in a minute. But I want you to think with me here. Anyone? Okay, we got to, what's that? You figured it out, right? Okay, I put it this way. A bad neighbor values people based on what they can get from them. Do you know that people do things for people that can do things for them? That, that happens all the time. It happens all the time in the business world. People will make friendships with people because, well, it will help them step up the ladder to get to the next position and maybe make someone else look bad. Um, people will all the time make decisions in, in their lives based upon what they can get from someone. So um, we might not have a neighbor uh, who over who's poor, but we might have a neighbor over who has a real nice house, and we think that, hey, if we could get a friendship with them, and those things go on all the time in our world. People are looking to take advantage of people. And that's what happens in, in, in verse 20. The poor is hated even of his own neighbor. That's silly. It is. It's making a decision based on, look, someone's social position rather than what's, what's right. And the truth is they may be the greatest person in the world and the rich person might be the worst person in the world. And the rich person might stomp all over you and take advantage of you. And Jesus Christ even brought out that point himself when he was talking with his disciples at one point. He said, look, there's, there's people. A lot of times the rich will bring you before the authorities and they'll do what they can to punish you. And, and many times the poor are, are the best friends to have. A bad neighbor values people on what they can get 
from them. One, one man boasted this, uh, and, and he was one who treats people as a means to an end rather than an end. Uh, and here's what he said. I have friends I haven't even used yet. Now, maybe in context, he had a good reason for what he said. But is that what he thought of friends? Um, there are people, by the way, who take advantage of friends and use them. Um, uh, and, and we see that in life as well. Um, you know, we ought to treat, treat people right because it's right to treat people right. Um, if Whether someone can return a favor or not should have no bearing on whether I do them a favor. Um, chapter 19 teaches that same truth. Um, and we'll, no, we actually will go on from here. So look in chapter 19, if you would. Look at verse 4, and do you see the principle brought out again? And then, then look at verse 6. And then uh, at verse 7. And, and do we not see now, how many times did Solomon say that people are interested in what they can get from people? rather than people being interested in friendships, true friendships. Um, and, uh, and, and it's sad. Look, if you would, in chapter 21. Chapter 21 and verse 10. And someone read that, please. So what, is a, what do we learn about a bad neighbor? What do we learn about a bad neighbor? Now, I know that the two can be tied together and they uh, were intended to be looked at that way. Um, the wicked people just desire to do wrong. They'll hurt people. They'll take advantage of people for their own good, all right? But look at, just look at that last statement. His neighbor, what? Okay, so when we say that, he findeth no favor, what, what does that mean? All right, there's no compassion. I put it this way, a bad neighbor shows no kindness or mercy. He doesn't care. He hurts people. Kindness, mercy. It's like that. Have you ever seen... Have you ever seen a, a, a program where someone, you know, some evil guy was about to fall off the edge of a cliff and the, and the good man, the, the hero, you know, he reaches out his hand and he grabs hold of him and pulls him up. And then the bad guy tries to push him off after he saved his life. You know, that's the way wicked, that's the way a bad neighbor is. A bad neighbor doesn't care. He doesn't show kindness. He doesn't show mercy. One writer said this about that verse. Not only he delights to do mischief to an enemy or a stranger, but even to a neighbor and friend, he will do, show him no kindness, though he asks it of him. He will show him no mercy, though an object of it. He will spare him not, but do him an injury. If he attempts to hinder or dissuade him from doing mischief or reproves him for it. The 
so a bad neighbor shows no kindness. He shows no mercy. Um, well, in chapter 25 and verse 18, we learn yet another truth about a bad neighbor. And what do we learn about a bad neighbor there? He bears false witness. Um, a bad neighbor bears false witness. In the day in which the Proverbs were written, warfare wasn't conducted with tactical strikes from an airplane thousands of feet above the ground. You know that. Okay, you better know that. It was carried out in mortal combat using devices designed to either maim or make the enemy vulnerable for a kill or to take a life. They didn't really care which. It was brutal. So look at this verse and look at what it says here. A man that beareth false witness against his neighbor is, so he's going to describe him, and he uses tools of warfare to describe him. Okay, so what is he? What's it, what is he first? Okay, what is them all? I have no idea. What? Oh, okay, well, that's, that's what we, we would think, but the word actually is a hemi, heavy hammer that's used brutally in, in battle, just swung without, you know, and take out whoever it will in whatever way. So he's a maul, you know, just he's brutal. Uh, and then what else do we see? He's a sword. Okay, a sword isn't, again, a pleasant thing. And if you're on the receiving end, okay, a sword, can, a sword can take a life. It can cause great damage. It's used often in battle. And then what's the third thing? Okay, none of these things are good. You, you get the point, don't you? I mean, again, if you're on the receiving end, if you're the one giving it, well, then it's a different story. But God describes the man that bears false witness against his neighbor as someone who is as destructive as someone who has a hammer in battle and is just swinging it around seeking to take out the enemy or someone who takes his sword and uses it against the enemy or someone who takes an arrow and shoots it, not concerned at all with what kind of damage or what he's doing, kind of revels in it. And God says that kind of man is not the kind of man you want against uh, as a friend, someone who will bear false witness, someone who will lie um, about someone else, even though he doesn't know what he's saying to be true in any way. And I wish we could have gotten this all done so we can move on to the good neighbor, but we will look at good neighbors. We'll at least get to it next time, but we're going to pick up here and just learn a few more things about what God says about a bad neighbor. And I hope you will not just look at this as a list that we got done. But I hope you'll look at it and say, are there characteristics I need to change about my life? Am I a good friend? Am I a good neighbor? Am I the kind of person that uh, pleases God? Or are there times where I have done what God really condemns in these verses? Because a list is not intended just to say, oh, look at what I learned about neighbors. A list is there. And, and the reason God takes the time to tell us these things is that it causes us to think and evaluate and say, 
this is what a bad neighbor is. I don't want to be anything like that. This is what a good neighbor is. I want to be that kind of person. And I hope you will strive to have the qualities we'll look at next, and you'll strive to make sure that the qualities we've looked at, the evil qualities, are not things you want in your life. Uh, Father, thank you for your word and for the opportunity you've given us and for the wealth of information you've given us in the book of Proverbs about friendships. And I pray that, that uh, the people in our church would be good neighbors, not bad ones, that we would not uh, ever treat people based on what we can get from them. But may we be the kind of neighbor uh, who truly is valuable and, and one longs for uh, a reliable friend trustworthy one. And I pray that our, our time would challenge us and stir us and that we would be discerning in our friendships as well and the friends we make. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you as you go and seek to be a good neighbor. You're dismissed.